Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane's teaching in Hebrews chapter three, verses one through six, called Hold Fast. We've been adopted into the family of God, welcomed in to his home, which is kind of the language that we see in this text. We've been welcomed into the family of God to dwell with him, if you will, in his home. And the basis of this unity in Christ is found in this heavenly calling. The church, by its God-given nature, should be diverse. It should be diverse in race, in ethnicity, in, in age, in, in uh, different walks of life, in different backgrounds. The church should be diverse. It should be a diverse place because what unites us is not any of these earthly, temporary things. No, what unites us is the heavenly calling from Christ. Amen? It always concerns me when a church is only young people and only old people. Both are not good. And I believe both have uh, a destiny that is not very good if they stay that way. You need both. Now, age does not always equate to spiritual maturity. And in my over 10 years of working at a church and working in ministry, I found that to be very true. And so don't think because you're older tonight that, well, I'm fine. I've been a Christian for this many years. So big whoop. I know people who've been Christians for 30 years and they can barely articulate, they're they're almost biblically illiterate. Because if you sit and you just wander off and you just check the box and say, well, I was in church this week once, so I'm good with God. No, that's religion. This is not a religion. This This is a group of people that are saying, I wanna know Christ and let him do his transformative work in my life and in my heart and in my mind. And so to be in the family of God, we're unified by this one thing, this heavenly calling, according to the way Hebrews puts it here. So we will be diverse in nature, and I think that's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. We share in a heavenly calling. And then he says, as we've talked about a little bit, consider Jesus, that is, fix your minds on Jesus. Oh, if we'd fix our minds on Jesus more often. Amen. So many of our problems could be avoided if we followed this one exhortation. When we take our eyes off Christ, we fall apart very quickly. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and immediately sank under the waves. He also took his eyes off Jesus in the midst of Jesus's arrest. And moments before, like me in the car this morning, Lord, I'll serve you. Peter, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. And Jesus, I can imagine in a very calm and loving manner, like a father to his son, says, I appreciate it, but truly I say to you, before the rooster crows, you will deny that you even know me three times. Oh, how quickly we can fall when we take our eyes off Christ. And what happened to Peter in that situation? What happened to him? He was faced with real persecution. He's standing at a fire warming his hands and a small girl says, you're one of them. And he says, I don't even know him. I don't even know him. And and, and it's so easy for us to look into these situations in scripture and say, oh, how could he do that? 
But we do that to the Lord all the time. We shrink back in the face of adversity and we, we decide not to say something when something must be said. We're, we're, we're going out on Saturday morning to take a stand against genocide against the next generations because babies are being killed in the name of women's liberties and rights, in the name of convenience. And so we have to take a stand on things that matter to the heart of God. We must take a stand. And so, yes, it's easy to say it is a different thing to do. A huge number of people in this, uh, the nation of Israel, they, 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 they're, they're redeemed and the Lord rescues them out of the slavery in the land of Egypt. And how long does it take? When you start studying your Bible, you realize it's, it's been weeks since they've been delivered from hundreds of years of slavery. And they're like, well, I mean, we, we don't have a lot of food out here. It's pretty hot. The Lord's forsaken us. Let's go back to Egypt where we had three square meals a day. And you have to imagine the quarreling in the Israelite camps. People are like, are you kidding me? You want to go back? You want to go back to that? And people are like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, yeah, sure, we were in, we were in bondage and we were peasants and we were beaten if we didn't do what we were told. But, but they gave us food and water when we needed it. And, and we can do the same thing. In this life, so many of us are fighting the temptation, maybe tonight, to go back to Egypt, to go back to the things that are appealing to the flesh and say, well, it's not that bad. What's just a little bit of compromise? But the prodigal son didn't become the prodigal son in a moment. No, it was, it was, it was as the, the story is being told, I imagine that it was over a period of time that his heart was becoming hardened towards his father, bitter. And when bitterness and, and the flesh are not kept in check, it doesn't take long. It's a slow eating away. And you can see it in our own culture here in the U.S. It's little things. It's the breaking down of uh, the nuclear family. It's the taking away of the scripture being read in public schools. It's the acceptance of men being weak and not leading their families and being portrayed in every cartoon show that you and I grew up watching on TV as the father is this worthless hunk that just sits on a recliner. Do you realize the conditioning that has happened? You watch these old shows. I look back and watch old TV shows that maybe I grew up watching, even the Goldbergs. And the father is depicted as just this useless lump that just sits there and does nothing, doesn't lead his family, has no authority. And, and I think that those are little ways that our society has been conditioned to get to the point that we are now. It's a slow eating away. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to be on guard. We have to stay steadfast. We have to hold firm so that we don't fall away. And so many of those Israelites missed what God had for them. They never entered into God's promise, into his peace because of what? Unbelief. Now, it's easy for us to think about these passages and think, weren't they being led by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night? How could they deny that God was leading them? And yet, they did. And yet, you and I do it all the time. God has revealed himself in his word. He's proven himself to be faithful in our lives through personal experiences, through his word, over and over again. And yet, we constantly doubt. We, we constantly worry about what will happen next and what the next thing is. 
When you meet a Christian who truly has peace in Christ and worry is something that seems to be a very, uh, a thing they don't worry about very much, it just, it's refreshing, isn't it? When somebody truly trusts the Lord, I want to be, I want to have that type of faith that says, Lord, I trust you. And do I do that perfectly? And will I ever do that perfectly? No. But the Lord is asking for us to be faithful. And the writer of Hebrews is exhorting the church to stay the course. And so the writer appeals to the recipients of the letter to intently think on who Jesus is and why he came. And if you look at chapter four, just a little bit ahead in verse 11, the writer says, well, look at 10, 410. He says, therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And then he says, he's quoted the Old Testament. And then he says in verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. He says, be careful, be careful, because I know that you're in the church. I know you're in the camp, but be on guard that your heart is not slowly growing distant from your creator. And it can happen. Can it not? We can sit in a pew and even be serving actively in the body and be growing far from the Lord, our heart growing cold. And so the writer says, be on guard, be careful, lest you fall away. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we become critical, cynical, depressed, anxious, worried, tired. The list goes on. Are you grumpy? Are you a grumpy person? Are you an anxious person? Are you a critical person? Always the first to point out issues and, and, and flaws. Ask yourself these questions tonight and then let the Lord transform those areas of your life. If we could just keep our eyes on Jesus, oh, how our problems would fade. James talks about remaining steadfast. We just went through the youth conference two weekends ago, and I taught through uh, James chapter one with the students and as well as Proverbs three. And we just talked about this idea of staying steadfast. The idea of steadfast, you could, uh, to give it some imagery, is like a tree that's firmly planted by fresh water. That tree is strong. Have you ever tried to take down a tree? I mean, those roots are everywhere. A well-established, healthy tree has roots that grow deep and wide, and it is not easy to take down. In fact, you see videos of cars. I don't know about you, but I like to binge like YouTube dash cam videos where it's just like car accidents from people's dash cams. I don't know how I get on these rabbit trails sometimes on YouTube, but I just, it's just like car accidents from people's dash cams. And I'm the only one who's that weird. Okay. And so uh, sometimes I'm watching and sometimes people will hit like semi trucks, like these huge trucks, 53 footers, fully loaded, thousands of pounds, hit these trees and the tree doesn't even budge. I want to be like that tree in a spiritual sense, firmly rooted in Christ, firmly planted, so that when the storms come, when the trials come, I can remain, as James says, steadfast. He says, blessed are those, blessed are you, brothers, when you remain steadfast under various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Shane Lance in a moment. I'm producer Rob of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, reminding you that this is a listener-supported ministry, and we're really hoping you would consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry, which reaches a lot of people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $10 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. Now, I'm really excited about this. In fact, we all are. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, a look at intimacy in marriage through the Song of Solomon. Check this out. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm -hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. Even for me in a church that didn't shy away from it, it wasn't talked about a ton, but I remember getting married and my wife and I being like, this is weird. Like, so it's good now, I guess. (laughs) There was infidelity, just a lot of financial issues, you know, all those things that make the top list of of why a marriage is hard. The Lord's given us all things to enjoy, the the scriptures say, and freedom is a big word as a Christian. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what's happened in the church is that The church has not always sent a message that we're supposed to enjoy life and be free. We've put a lot of unnecessary weights on people. And I'm not saying that there aren't boundaries and there's things that God wants done a certain way. But there's also freedoms that we can enjoy pleasure in life. (laughs) All this and more is available to you as a thank you for becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Please visit walkintruth.com and click donate today. That's walkintruth.com, click donate. Walkintruth.com, click donate. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now back to Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, on Walk in Truth. He says, blessed are those Blessed are you, brothers, when you remain steadfast under various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And he goes on to say, when steadfastness has produced its full effect, you will be perfect, lacking in nothing. And he's referring in an, an, uh, an imagery to the Olympic Games. And they would actually say that if you won these uh, Olympic Games, they would do where it was like triathlons and multiple events within a meet. If you won all of them, they would say he's perfect. And that's the language that James is referring to when he says that. Will you be perfect if you remain steadfast in Christ? No. You're not going to be perfect in the sense that you and I think of it. But the language that James is appealing to is he's saying, he's drawing the conclusion, you will win. You will win the ultimate race. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, run to win. Don't, have you ever seen a, a, a race where somebody's not trying? <laughs> it's not very impressive, is it? When they're putting in very little effort. You know, I've been going to the gym more and trying to get back into a routine. And there are, the guy that I work out with plays no games. I mean, he, he, we are there 
it's business only. And I need that because I will, I'll, I know people at the gym and, and my brothers told me I hate working out with you because I have a lot of friends from high school and stuff that we still run in the same kind of circles and we see each other at the gym and it ends up becoming social hour with Shane. And it's like, this is not why I'm here. And so the, the guy that I work out with, his name's Marlon. We've known each other a long time. We met each other back in the day doing jujitsu and, uh, he, he plays no games. Marlon is, let's work out. And we chat, you know, about things, but it's mostly like me trying to keep up with Marlon because he's an animal. But I, now that I'm in this routine of just being super focused, and you, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was really big on the mental aspect of physical fitness. This was something that Schwarzenegger swore by in his heyday as a bodybuilder. He said that he would literally, in, in, in the gym when Arnold was there, there was no music and there was no talking. It was all business. And you can, you could see the results that it yielded. It was Mr. Olympia how many times? And absolutely huge. Yeah, sure, he was on steroids, but look, steroids aside, there's a lot of hard work that goes into a physique like that. It, it, steroids is, yeah, not something I'm interested in, but getting a physique like that, no doubt, takes hard, hard work and dedication. It doesn't just happen because you take a pill or an injection. And this guy was no joke. I mean, he went into the gym and it, he was there to lift and to focus. And Schwarzenegger said that when he would lift, he would focus on the muscle he was trying to work out. So if he was doing a curl, he would be in the mirror and he would be thinking, bicep does all the work. And there was a mental focus towards a goal. Sometimes I'm in the gym and I look around and I see people and I'm like, there's very little mental focus here, right? Like there's people on the treadmill and they're like, People over at the, they're in front of the free weights and the weights still remain free because they're not picking any of them up. (laughs) There are people who only use the mirror at the gym. I don't understand that one either. I'm uncomfortable when I see my own reflection in a public place, let alone where the whole place has mirrors around. I understand the mirrors serve a purpose to make sure your form is good, but there are those who have the video cameras now. We have influencers at the gym filming themselves working out and then complaining when people look over their way. That's a whole nother subject. And so there has to be attention and focus. And that's the idea in the text. Fix your eyes on the prize. Stay the course. James says, stay steadfast. And so when we are faced with the temptation to sin, do we first and foremost fix our eyes on Christ or on how we want to operate? Hmm. It is easy to justify sinful behavior when you don't run it through Christ first. Have you ever done something where you knew if you asked permission, it wasn't going to happen, so you just did it so that you could get it done? And then you said, as many of you have said over the years, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. I would argue that's unwise in almost every scenario. And we do this with the Lord It is easy to justify sinful behavior when we don't first take it to Jesus, which is why, friend, you aren't taking it to Jesus. Because you know what the answer is. You know you're in sin in an area, and if you don't take it to the Lord, you don't have to deal with the accountability. But if we take everything before the throne of our Savior first, imagine how our lives will be transformed. What if before we reacted, we asked the question, how would Christ react? And then how do I follow that example? And can I tell you something? It's not a mystery. It's right here. But you have to know this to know him. He has already spoken. 
Alistair Begg, I was listening to a sermon on this section, and he said he came across a book in the bookstore, and it was called, uh, I don't know the author, I can't remember, but it was about like, uh, the, the title of the book was something like Talking to God. And Alistair Begg said it was one of the most, uh, in only the way Alistair Begg can say it, he said it was total rubbish. And he goes on to explain that the author's basically making a case that all he has to do to hear from the Lord is just sit. And God talks to him, and he depicts in this book conversations that he's had with God. But he doesn't know the word. There's nothing about scripture. You want to hear from God? Open your Bible. You've been listening to Hold Fast, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane, teaching in Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. As always, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, today is Independence Day, the 4th of July, here in the United States of America. And I know if you're like me and you're a committed believer and you're looking at our country, you would say, man, what has happened to the United States of America? What has happened to our Christian underpinnings, our patriotism, our morality, (laughs) I mean, there's so many things that you look at right now and you're, you wonder. But then when I meet people in everyday life, I will tell you there's a lot of Christians. There's a lot of patriots. I see a lot of flags in the city in which I live and uh, minister, the city of Corona. And so sometimes when we see the news, it doesn't always represent the average person, but Nonetheless, there are things going on that greatly concern me, like I'm sure they greatly concern you. Remember that Independence Day is all about freedom, and freedom is a beautiful thing, and freedom was bought with the blood of patriots, those who fought for our freedom when the country was founded, etc. And Our freedom was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect sinless substitute. So let's take advantage of our freedom in Christ and our freedom as Americans to do our best by God's grace. We know the country we live in has had its issues. It's imperfect, just like every other nation. And well, let's let's face it. I mean, nations are made up of people and people are imperfect. But here's the point. America is a pretty great place still. And I tell you what, join me in a prayer for America. Father, we cry out to you for the United States of America. We know as imperfect as our past may be, the founders of this nation were committed to biblical principles and for the most part to the God of the Bible. And we have moved in many ways away from those foundations, Lord. But even though the foundations are being shaken and we might ask, what can the righteous do? We can pray. 
We can pray for a great awakening in America, and we do. We ask for her by name, Lord. This is a country where I think everybody listening to the sound of my voice would say we've been blessed, and we don't want to see it go down like Rome or other places in world history. We want to see the republic stand, and and we know that this republic must return to the God of the Bible and return to the founding documents of this nation. And Lord, we're asking for your forgiveness, and we're also asking that you would bring a great revival, a great awakening to America. Be gracious to us once again, Lord, so that we can be the people that you have indeed called us to be. I pray that in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. If you agree, would you say, Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace as we will look at a part three in Hebrews 3 tomorrow, right here on Walk in Truth. Tell a friend about what you're hearing and join us then. God bless. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $10 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael. You'll have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, a look at intimacy in marriage through the Song of Solomon. All this and more is available to you as a thank you for becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com and click donate. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Shane's teaching in Hebrews 3, 1 through 6 called Hold Fast. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.